SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Hello and welcome to episode number 77 of Sega Talk. I'm your host, George, and with me, like always, is Barry. I'm going to take my head off. Oh, I was going to say, this is a broad, this is a, uh, this episode we're going to be talking about a game that's head exploding, or mind exploding, <laughs> I don't even know what the phrase is. We're going to be talking about what better a better show than Broadway. We're going to be talking about Dynamite Hetty that has nothing to do with uh, Napoleon Dynamite, even though they both have Dynamite in their name, and the movies, these both things have nothing to do with Dynamite. I don't, or I'm getting head. It's just an explosive uh, character, right. giving you that bang. But uh, usually we... Uh, tell you we have the patreon you can check us out at uh, www.patreon.com slash segabits you could fund episodes where you pick the episode that we talk about this one was actually picked by someone angry mm. bar steward but he never sent me why or his memories or anything and he just confirmed he wanted this episode so I wrote okay. the episode, and then when I asked him for the uh, memories, he never replied b- back. Maybe he doesn't check Patreon, but he did pay for this episode. Well, and you know, if he's if he's listening, which I hope he is, um, I can always add them when I make the post, the public post, uh, as mm. text. So it'll be up there on the site forever. It'll be on the Patreon. Everyone can read it. So I'll put that right under the video there. And uh, there's another idea we've been having about the Patreon $20 tier, which is the one you picked the episode. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another thing is we're thinking about doing is sending some of the questions that we talk about throughout the episode. That way the memories are kind of more split into different things, like talking about the music, talking about the graphics. And it could be, uh, you know, just lay it out little by little instead of having everything in the beginning. That's an idea we had. Yeah. I like it. And since we're talking about about this, I I should mention there is... Swing and Report Show Live, we did our little debut kind of test run episode. So that's up there. You can check that out. You can, um, If you already subscribe to Swing and Report Show on uh, any podcast thing, it's there. It's part of the feed. Um, mm. Next episode, I'm going to have my friend Steve, who's a video game music composer on. We're going to talk about writing video game music, how you make a living off of it or not. Um, it should be fun. But anyway, let's let's dive back into this. Um, today we're going to be talking about that 1994 Sega Genesis slash uh, Game Gear classic by Treasure. Of course, we're talking about mostly about the Sega Genesis version. I feel like when you think about these demakes uh, for the Game Gear back in the day, we usually talk about the Genesis version. That was the leading platform. That was what everyone wanted to play back then. So that's what we're going to be talking about this episode. But let's start up the conversation with your history and thoughts of Dynamite Hetty. Did you, like, remember this game as a kid? Because to me, it flew, like, right under the radar. Um, well, let's let's jog my memory here with the, the Sega box. So I'm going to push the button and play some music. <laughs> All right. Well, I think I, I'd have my memory jog now with the, the Sega piggy bank. Um, I, I rented this for sure. I remember renting this and playing it over a weekend 
and I, gu- I guess I enjoyed it. I mean, we, we talked about on um, our previous episode recently how few good platformers there are outside of Sonic. I mean, they're there. Genesis they're has there. a, a really good selection, but nowhere near the amount you'd expect. And um, this is one of the few, I think, that rises to the top. Um, maybe not on par with Sonic, but definitely very well made, very polished, a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I, that's pretty much my history with it. And then it wasn't until years later that I was like, oh, Treasure. And I made that connection of their games and Gunstar Heroes and things like that. So, that's me. How about you? Um, you know what? I never heard of this game until like way after, you know, when I started looking at a Treasure's library on the Sega Genesis. I think this one and like, I think, is it called Light Crusader, the other one that they did? Um, yes. These are like games that kind of went under the radar for me. I think they're underrated because I never hear that many people talk about Dynamite Heady the way they talk about, let's say, Gunstar Heroes, for example. Um, I don't know what it is, it, and uh, I did see the game around, but I think something about the character's design, which I'll talk about when we start talking about the character design, kind of threw me off. I don't know what it was about it, even though they were supposedly influenced by Western animation, according to the notes. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's just something about it just never caught my eye to play it, but after I actually played it, I, I don't know, it really blew my mind. Like, the amount of stuff that happens in the background in these games, the backgrounds are so alive, it feels so cartoony, it's fast-paced, the sound's incredible. Everything about this game mm-hmm. is, like, super top-notch. I would say the only complaints I could say about it is the character design, I mean, and I have to be honest, it never grabbed me as a kid. So I just have to be honest that that's my number one problem with it. Right. Yeah, I think visually the game almost feels like a second-tier Rain Man inside Super Mario Bros. 3. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And which is funny because this game came out before Rain Man, but somehow mm-hmm. it gives you that, like, is this like a Kirkland version of Rain Man, even though it really isn't? <laughs> um, right. So let's get into the notes. The idea behind Dynamite Heady all started after producer and designer at Treasure, Koichi Kimura, uh, which, when I googled this, apparently there's a Digimon character n- named uh, Ko- uh, Koichi Kimura, and a lot of <laughs> a lot of pictures came up of uh, Digimon characters. This is not that's really has nothing funny. to do with Digimon. Um, <laughs> we have a picture of him if you're watching the video, so that's definitely not a, a Digimon character. Uh, he did the McDonald's video game with Treasure, which is almost was the first Treasure game. If you watch our Gunstar Heroes episode, you hear more about that. And uh, even though uh, he, he worked on McDonald's, the McDonald's game, he did not work on Gunstar Heroes. So he wanted to make an original IP, which started with this game. So Dynamite Heady was his project, and because he wanted to create an original game, he, he talked to the Japanese Beep magazine back in uh, 1994 this uh is translated by shoot em lation shoot em up lations weird name for a site <laughs> uh, the biggest reason for making dynamite heady was that our team wanted to create something original i've been a part of many dev- uh, game developments but almost all of them were either based on pre-existing characters or plans that were handed to me from above which i then adapted and revised i thought dynamite heady would be more fun and fulfilling development Having worked in game dev for five years now, I thought it was high time to make something of my own creation. I knew if I wanted to make my own game, I needed to make something that looked convincing from a commercial sales perspective. 
and I put a lot of effort into the initial design and conception of Dynamite Heady along with those lines. Um, so this would be Kimura's second game he produced. Uh, he, before this, he kind of did like graphic design work and he worked on characters. Uh, some of the pieces of games he worked on included for Konami, uh, the Castlevania Adventure Game Boy game. Uh, his first uh, designer as game designer would be Roller Games for the NES. And then he went on, his last game at Konami was uh, Tiny Toons Adventures on the Game Boy, Babs Big Break. Which is actually, I found kind of funny because this came out in 1992. Then Treasure in 2002 made uh, Tiny Toon Adventures Buster's Bad Dream on the Game Boy Advance, which is kind of a rare game now. I guess there was limited copies released of this game. Um, so it's uh. funny that he left Konami by do, you know doing a Tiny Toons game. And then in Treasure, 10 years later, like Clockwork is making a Game Boy Advance uh, Tiny Toon Adventure game. Also, hmm. the Treasure game is the last Tiny Toon Adventure games to ever come out, I think. So, Wow. What What's their obsession with Tiny Toons? I mean, it's fine, but it was not on TV by 2002. Uh, it was a WB game. They were, I think, uh, paid to do it by them. It was one of those licensed games they did during the time. Yeah, but I agree so with strange. you. Did they do a reboot of Tiny Toon Adventures in 2000? 2000? 2000? Mm, I very much doubt it. Tiny Toons... Tiny Toon Adventures ran from oh my god, it only ran for from 1990 to 1992. So why are they making a video game ten years later? <laughs> I have no idea. That's, That's so strange. And I'll be honest, like I, I grew up when that show was in its prime. It was big, but it was big for a year. That's it. <laughs> you know? I used to I used to have a a, a bunny, uh, the the blue rabbit or whatever. Tiny Toon. I forgot his name now. Buster. Buster yeah. yeah. I used to have one of his dolls. I was so obsessed with that show. I thought it was great. But yeah. It had great animation, and I remember it was a huge deal when the um, movie came out, uh, the Summer Vacation one. Mm. That was a huge deal, because it was like very rare to get like an animated movie of a TV show so quickly and like so well animated. You're like, wow, look, they're on Summer Vacation, like us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, so, I think weird. we discussed the whole, the way that treasure is structured in the gunstar heroes episode so if you guys want to hear more about that i definitely suggest you guys watch that episode but as you know treasure is sort of like everyone in the team does whatever they want to do it was like the president is doing programming like i'm in like uh in this project uh the uh, treasure president uh, masato Malgawa, who is still president mm -hmm. of treasure he was the lead programmer for, on the project he uh he didn't do many he did a lot of actually programming but he wasn't main programmer for a lot of games he was main programmer for this and two other games uh those were laser invasion before he he joined treasure or made treasure and mischief makers in 1997. um dynamite heady was actually not directed by a treasure employee um it was actually directed by uh, a Sega employee, I mean, uh, an in-house Sega employee. His name was Hiroshi, and he was mostly directing kind of like 8-bit uh, demakes at the time. This is his actually mm. biggest directing project, and he never did anything after this really that big. Uh, he His last project at Sega was uh, working on Shimu, like everyone was at the time. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, this is his biggest directing project. I think this is probably his debut. I actually would not be shocked because I was looking at his uh, list of credits. 
that Trezor mm-hmm. just put him as director because they're friendly with him. Because like, I I looked at a lot of his titles and it looked like he was just putting his name on a bunch of games after a while. You know, one of those guys that kind of comes in and puts his hands on stuff. But yeah, right. I've never heard That's of this interesting. guy, Hiroshi Aso. Hmm. Have you ever heard of this guy? Hmm. No, um, but that's He's, interesting. I mean, we we've done episodes like this before, where we've talked about like the guy who did the music, or or even the director, and we're like, he remade Space Harrier on the Master System, and then he directs this big game, and then he does nothing for the rest of his career. You know, it's it's weird. I'm hoping I'm hoping when I do my interview with Steve, I can get to the bottom of how bizarre it is with game credits. It's just like. It's the weirdest. I don't know. I feel like I do notable stuff all the time in my career. It's not like, oh, Barry, he worked on that one thing. And <laughs> you, know? you think these, these Japanese people have it easy back then where they could work on a yeah. few projects? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's Before we get into the story of this game, I kind of wanted to do a cover showdown. You're a graphic designer, so... Uh, this game actually got three different covers for each region. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at the covers... No one actually got credited for most of the covers. The only person that got credited was for the Japanese cover, and that was Osamu Muto, who does CGI renders. At the time, that was pretty rare, especially back in 94. He did the Japanese mm. cover for it, uh, as you can see here if you're watching the video. Can you describe the cover for the Japanese cover of uh, Dynamite Deki? Because it's definitely different artwork than the rest of them. They're, it's basically CGI. The game does not look like this. Right, yeah, so it, it's, they're CG renders of the main character running through the scene, and then the back cover is that same render, but from the back, and you see this, like, cat with, like, giant, creepy eyes staring at you, but you can see the back of him on the cover, so it's, like, the same scene, and they just move the camera, um... And you can see the filming equipment. It's very clear. And it, I'd say it reminds me most of Bug. The cover oh, yeah. art for Bug. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a cool cover. I actually kind of like this cover. It grew on me. At first, when I first saw it, I, I didn't like it. But uh, the second cover we're looking at is the American cover. This is the one I kind of know more. Uh, this one is very Sega of America look. The art. The way it looks. It reminds me kind of like how when they redid Sonic um yeah on this one there's buildings he's jumping towards the screen and in the back it has different uh heady looks where you know when he changes his head he has different powers in this game and they kind of show that off in the background and it's like so there's multiple headies this is not like so they're trying to show off the powers in the american cover as the you know as the front cover which is cool um the last one is the european cover and this one just has a totally different look than all of them. This one kind of looks like vector art. Um, and this one has the, the little, oh. the character, the little, uh, ball character and Hetty walking towards the screen. Um, yeah. So as a graphic designer out of these three in the nineties, which one would you think is the best one? I actually think the European one's the best. Wow. And... Why do you like this one? I think be, I so the American one I think it just it looks a little too sloppy there's too much going on I think it's way too heavily airbrushed like it looks like a cheap t-shirt you'd get at like the boardwalk um it's just too much going on 
I don't know. It. I mean, I get what you're saying with them, like showing the different characters off or the different like powers. Mm-hmm. But when you, at first glance you think those are enemies in the background, if anything, 100. like it doesn't, it doesn't come off as that. And then the Japanese one, I don't know. For me, like I said, it reminds me of Bug, which isn't a very great connotation. Um, I also think the CG renders are kind of not good. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think. mean. Actually, if you look at his website, which I do have over there, he still kind of does yeah. the same type of renders in 3D, you know? Um, trying to see right. Like, but yeah, he, uh, he he's not the great... He has this like, really different look to it, and uh, we'll talk about the commercial they made in Japan for this, but uh, it's basically mm-hmm. uh, Claymation instead. Um, huh. But yeah, his 3D illustrations kind of look the same way he's been doing them this time around. Like, he's been doing the same type of CGI, kind of. It has his own, like, right. unique look. He mm. only did a couple of covers for Sega. He's not a big popular guy. So, uh... I, I have to agree with you, the European one is more simple. I have, you know, nostalgia for the, uh... American cover. I think they did it right, but I agree with you in the end. The cover is not that great just because... It, 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 like you said, it looks like enemies. If you didn't play the game, you wouldn't know right. that those are. And I think they're supposed to be heady. Exactly, and I think the European cover is the strongest too because it's very crisp and clean. Like the art style, it's still airbrushed, but it's much cleaner. Um, I mm-hmm. like that he's kind of like walking towards the player. It's a little more engaging. You can see his head flying off, so there's something there. You're like, oh, that's interesting. And to be honest, as as much as I don't like his character design, I think it's the most appealing here out of the three of them, like if you were to line them up and say which which design should we go with for the final game, you know, without knowing these are just cover art. They're so different when you look at them. Um, there's also the thing with the thong on the back. There's this level where there's this guy showing off his butt in the background. Like, instead of w- women opening up the window, it's supposed to be a guy and it's like, I guess like a sumo wrestler. So oh. that's funny that they put that in the cover of the European one. Hmm. That's cute. But uh, <laughs> we also have this uh, U.S. prototype box art. Have you seen this before? It's the I worst actually, cover. Actually, I saw it earlier today. Yeah, it's not yeah. that great. It reminds me of a Game Gear game. Oh, for sure. It looks like something. <laughs> I don't know. It just looks like a, obviously, it's not supposed to be final. I mean, this is probably something they showed uh, just what, oh, this is what the game is going to be like to retailers, kind of. That's what it reminds me of. Honestly, it's probably from the same guy who did the American cover art. Oh, yeah, for sure. They even yeah. have the little castle in the back, which is a main part of the game. But, yeah, they definitely changed mm-hmm. this uh, box art for America. Um, let's talk about the, the story. This is actually where we start talking about the lack of story in, in the American version, which is something that a lot of... Okay, so basically when the game came out in the West, they removed all in-game dialogue instead of just, like, tr- uh, you know, translating it. They're just like, just cut it all out. There is a story in the booklet, which you want to read it for the uh, people at home. Um, it's basically <laughs> sure. the sto- same story in the Japanese one. So, All right, here we go. English manual. On stage rampage. The curtain is raised and the treasure theater show begins. The star of the show is Dynamite Hetty, the guy with the coolest head on stage. But danger lurks backstage. Trouble brewing. The henchman of Dark Demon. 
stirs up trouble as he tries to do away with Hetty, but Trouble Bruin is small stuffing compared to Dark Demon, who strives to rule the world by converting the inhabitants into his evil minions. Most devastating are the Keymasters, who serve as Dark Demon's elite guard. Okay. <laughs> So <laughs> that's rough. So instead of uh, Eggman, it's uh, some guy named Dark Demon. Um, Trouble Bruin is the cat that is basically like he's really the Eggman character of this thing because he comes back over and over with like new ways of trying to beat you. But most of the game right. is that you're a puppet in this show and you're like uh, sentient and you're trying to like. At first, I thought you were trying to stop the show, like oh, you're trying to escape the uh, stage show that these people put you in a lot right. of it kind of reminds me of like sonic uh, you know that whole sonic uh, theory that sonic's been playing this game with eggman and eggman's already won and he's just putting putting sonic through experiments and that the world of sonic is fake that's why there's like these checkerboards uh this it's... kind of that's kind of what i thought this story was supposed to be uh, and it, they definitely just play up the whole, like, no, it's just a silly, uh, collect the keys, kill the bad guy that's called, what, Dark Demon? <laughs> right. And, I mean, you look back at all of these games, and you pick out the ones that work and the one, ones that, I guess, didn't work because you forgot completely about them. And this is very forgettable. Yeah. Like, there's a very clear method to making a memorable video game plot. And this is not how you do it, because this throws way too many things at the wall. It's like, oh, okay, Trouble Bruin, but he works for Dark Demon. But then Dark Demon has other guys working for him, but then there's Keymasters. It's not good. I'm sorry. Like, I they feel like... They should have uh, just said that he's escaping the stage show, and uh, he'll unlock the mysteries. And, and also, this is something we talked about before, but uh, in other games like golden axe or whatever we we talked about how there's this illusion that everything's a state show and this is not real and it doesn't take itself seriously and this game is sort mm -hmm. of that in the beginning right away what do you think about that kind of aspect of it that he's like a puppet that's alive well yeah i mean we we talked about um altered beast altered beast was a uh movie right mm-hmm um, in in one version, and I I like that. I think it would have this probably would have worked better if it was like he was a puppet and the whole show, the whole game was a show. Um, there's a recent game, well not too recent, but for the Connect called Gunstringer, which I thought was fantastic, and it was like this where it was a very clearly a show being put on and being presented to you. Um, but because of that, it was it was a little more fun because you're like, oh, I'm controlling the puppet uh, of the game. And I think that would have been a really cool sort of uh, way to present this game, where you're controlling Dynamite Hetty. You're not Dynamite Hetty, you're controlling him. Which I think is a, a change from, if you remember from Master System days, like, every single manual was like, you're Sonic. You're Joe Montana. You know, like, it would <laughs> put oh, yeah. you in the shoes. Um, yeah, but it's just, nah, it's not good. I mean, some of these stories are so simple that are like reading, like sometimes I would read some games like Virtual Fighter. We talked about the story and it's like, wait, was this really in the story or, or am, I, am I making this <laughs> up? But uh, let's talk about some of the regional differences since that's a big deal with this game. And it's probably something that a lot of fans still discuss and hate Sega of America over. But at the time, 
According to Treasure President, Sega of America asked Treasure to make the game harder because they said video game rentals were cutting into people buying games. They wanted this to be a longer game for kids to take longer to beat. And according to him, the US version of Dynamite Heady is 50% harder than the original Japanese game. In the Japanese huh. release, you would start with two continues. The Western, you had nothing. Uh, collecting icons, when you beat up a bad guy. Uh, so when you get 10 icons, it would be one continue. Uh, they move that up to 13, which kind of makes the game a lot harder. Um, also, there's more enemies on screen. There's a lot. There's a big article on the cutting room floor that kind of goes into every single little thing that they uh, changed, including like mm -hmm. one of the weirdest stuff was they literally changed the color of the cat from purple to brown, right? And not uh. only that, though, if you look at the Japanese and the American international color changes, they just changed the color like literally from the sprite. From so every single boss that had purple. That purple color got turned into uh, brown. I think some of the green got turned into uh, pink. Uh, also, they changed the f like they changed bosses. Like there was a there was this little girl boss of a doll became a robot. Uh, a geisha huh. became a robot too. Uh, I don't know why those changes happened. They also <sighs> treasure went so far into the American release. They also changed signs. So there was parts in the game where they were like allude to the uh, the name of the levels. They literally went in through uh, into the the art, and they changed the name of the levels to what the American one was. So they actually took this seriously, and they went in and changed art assets. Now people would have just left it there, right? Like just a little poster in the back that nobody reads while you're driving. I mean, walking by, they went and changed it. That's that's insane to me. Um, that's nuts. <clears throat> have, so did you know that the American version was a lot harder and uh, mm -hmm. growing up did you have trouble beating it because I don't know if it's even possible to beat like I played a translated version of the game where the, the Japanese ROM got American translated so it's easier and even with mm -hmm. save state I was like man this game's hard <laughs> it's like yeah no I I mean like I said it was a weekend rental and the fact that I never bought the game after renting it probably says a lot about the quality you know like yeah um typically i'd rent a game and if i enjoyed it i'd want to buy it but in this case i was like this thing's way too hard there's no way i'm gonna play this if i so i think that really backfired on sega i don't know why they do that because it's like sonic one is in my opinion a pretty easy game and but it's like a good music album where you'll replay it again and again and i think I think they did not understand that about kids. I don't think they understood that kids actually like things that they can sit down and play from start to finish again and again and again and experience again and again. Like, it, it, it always seems like when we hear behind the scenes stories, it's Sega of America going, oh, make this longer, make it harder. It's kids like want to get more bang for their buck. But like, you, you look still online, people are talking about Sonic games they're like, oh, Sonic Colors is the best Sonic game. It's a short game, but that's why I think people like it. They've all experienced it from beginning to end, and they're looking forward to the remaster where they can do it all over again without putting in, like, 40 hours or something crazy. I agree, and uh, you know what? They were crazy. Can you imagine, like, movie studios going, like, oh, rentals are taking over. Let's make this movie super boring and longer so kids could uh, buy the... VHS? I don't know. I, my thing is, like, you're not going to beat rentals. They should have just joined the rentals and, like, try to get the, a cut out of it. 
Right. I mean, you bring up movies. Like, the big thing is make the movie under two hours so we can show it as many times in theaters and then release the extended director's cut on home video so people have to buy it and check it out. That's how it always works. It's so stupid. With games, I mean, they should have, I mean, that would have been interesting if they did this thing where you could rent a game and then there was like a deluxe version that you could only buy with more levels. That would have been weird, right? That would have been really weird at the time. I mean, nowadays they get that where they're like, get the digital deluxe edition of the new Yakuza 7 and receive, you know, additional content. Let's talk about characters now. Um, This game... Even though when I read the interviews, they talked a lot about how they spent a lot of time with characters. I feel like there isn't that many characters. And I don't think a game like this, a platformer, needs like a million characters. Like, we don't need 150 characters. But uh, here we have, let's, let's talk about the real Dynamite Heady. So, in the Beat Magazine in 1994, there was this this doll that they called the real Dynamite Heady. Have you, are you, can you see the picture? And it has this I personal data. Can you tell people what Dynamite Heady is about and his character design here? <laughs> they show you, like, they literally break down sure. everything. So he is just under 50 centimeters. He weighs one kilogram. He's a puppet, so he's very light. Um, his family, there are several puppets who were born or made at the same time as him, but none of them could throw their heads, so they weren't sent to the scrap heap. Um, and are still alive somewhere. He loves jelly beans, cool stuff, the yet unknown, and he hates Nato. I don't know. Oh, is that like the bad guy? Evil things, evil people, and indecisiveness. Um, he's the restless type, someone who has to act on an idea as soon as it comes into his head, but he also has a slightly selfish side and a short temper, and he sometimes says rash things, which he can't take back. He's very emotional and wears his heart on his sleeve. Most of all, he hates bad guys. No matter how fearsome they may be, his sense of justice and courage always compels him to stand up to them, even when alone. And his motivation is a burning heart with a passion for justice and a hatred for the wicked. So, he sounds a lot like some guy named Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know if you've ever heard of these video games. Uh, They're pretty popular. Some people play them. I'm assuming Dynamite Heady is going to be a bigger mascot than Sonic one day. But, I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, right. So, Dynamite Heady obviously hits and performs uh, actions with his head. He has no neck and sort of gives off a Ristar slash Rayman vibe. I think the game actually looks a lot like Ristar. Like, uh, colorful in the, the way that they mm-hmm. use the color palette. Um, and the, he has those, those arms that stretch, kind of. So... Uh, but this character actually predates both of these by a year. I guess the closest would be Decap Attack, even though that game was just a, uh, re... What do they call it? Re-sprite game of a different Japanese games. Uh, but like this game is definitely higher yeah. in terms of quality than Decap Attack. I mean, uh, so according to, uh, Kamura, who made Dynamite Heady, uh, he talked about the head attack. He said... I had been thinking I wanted the character to use some part of his body when he attacked and throw in his head with something new and would make an impact on players. I made him a puppet because puppets are easy to uh, deform and manipulate, whereas a living creature that detaches head would be weird, I thought, even though decap attack is like a zombie that does it. I I mean, (laughs) I guess they didn't uh, get the memo on that one. 
Uh, what yeah. is your thoughts on this? Like, this isn't like the only people that thought of like using your hands and making um, stretch. I was playing a few other games that never came out, and there was like this other game by um, EA, right? That never came out. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And in this one, like, you're playing as a like a pink jelly thing. And one of his moves is that, I don't know if this is boner, but his crotch area comes out and extends and it hits. And I'm like, okay, I can see why this never came out. Because, <laughs> I mean... Right. Uh, but still, like, this idea of, like, stretching arms and hitting things far away instead of using guns was kind of popular. So the idea of them using the head kind of made sense. Um, yeah. I, I also want to say that this game got massive support in, in Spain or in Spanish. And they loved, and we'll talk about some soundtrack later, but they loved using the word cabeza because, it, like, or cabezón to uh, do the thing for this because it means kind of like you're thick-headed or whatever, like that mm -hmm. phrase. And uh, what do you think about, the, I mean, outside of that, his personality is basically Sonic, right? Like, the typical sure. hero at the time. All right. Just wanted to make sure. The other characters we have are these... I don't even know what these things are. I mean, what do you think they look like? Dots? So... They look like emojis. Pretty much. Uh, there's these round <laughs> oranges. Kind of looks like that. Um, there's three of them. They're called mm. the Support Trio. And they're called Mokin, yep. Fukin, and Yokin. Uh, or Yakun. Oh. Sorry. And these are from a Japanese boy band at the time called the Cool Kid Trio. Uh, if you're watching I our video, it was, I got a picture. I of thought them. it was what I like, what I like to do on a Friday night, which is mocking, yakin, and fucking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so these characters are basically, I would say they're in-game icons, really. Like, uh, one of them is the guy that gives you your head abilities, so he holds the box basically, and he'll be, and then the other one will tell you the weak points of the characters, and I think the other I, one. I, and the other one just stands there, and you could grab onto him. You know those little, like, uh, you know that function in uh, Ristar where you grab a ledge or whatever, and there's the, that little, like, yeah. the little, I don't know what they call it, uh, a little grab, a little handle. You know those handles? Instead of a handle, it's yeah, yeah. it's this little icon. And he's a character. That's what I'm saying. So he, he says these are characters, but it's like, they're really just kind of like, it's like if instead of Sonic having a box where he gets his power-ups, he's got wisps. I, they're basically wisps from uh okay yeah that, that's an easier way of saying that they're wisps wisps this guy the the last i mean not the last character but the third character we're gonna be talking about is the cat the purple cat uh mariyama is what you call him in japanese he's kind of the main boss or he's kind of like the egg man in this game well dark lord or dark whatever his name is is the boss this guy's the one you talk you look and fight the most. I think he has six different boss battles in this game, which is kind of impressive. Very Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's not even the only boss in the game, so there's so many bosses in these games that it's it's a treasure game. When you play treasure games, you're going right. to play bosses. There's even a special boss fight that you could unlock. By uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit. But And the last one, I think, is the most controversial one. Her name is Heather or Flingy. And uh, depending on what version you played, she she kind of got ham-fisted into the game. Basically, every time you beat a level, you get a key, right, from the boss. Mm -hmm. She would come in, and then uh, Hetty would be like, oh my god, it's a girl. And then he would be all like all over her. 
and while he's gawking at her she would take the key from him and she's trying to collect all the keys uh as you could tell Hetty's the only one that could detach his head so her head is connected to her body and her hands don't have any attachments if you notice that um she's not I playable do, yeah but it was kind of alluded that she might have more to do in the second game if there was i think they were planning a second game that never got made but. Yeah, you know, looking at her, I really get Knights into Dreams vibes. She reminds me of, like, Knight's body proportions, where it's, like, big chest and then thin torso. Mm. And then, like, the collar with the head on top. And then the hands kind of remind me of um, the Jester enemy in that game, where his hands kind of, like, were separated from his body. Mm. Uh, very Knights into Dreams with her. And I actually wish she was the main character. I think that's a lot better design there. It's just much more heroic with the broad chest. I mean, maybe their breasts here, but Knights into Dreams, they're not. It's just kind of like this, this shape that I think looks a lot more heroic than what we got with, with Dynamite Hetty. It just looks like a fat raindrop. You know. Oh, for sure. And I, like I told you, I, <laughs> I have to agree with you. I think that the uh, the character designs are probably the weak point because like this game has so much crazy shit that they put in here and like tricks that they got out of the, like they use so much power of the Genesis in the here that like I was trying to think of like, is there any Super Nintendo game that's better than this? And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's it's pretty hard. There's only a few, a handful like. Uh, I don't want to say any names, right. but like Chrono Trigger has a lot of good graphics, but platformer-wise, I don't know. Maybe that uh, that Mario Yoshi's Island game. I yeah. mean, that one has some pretty cool effects that they got going on from that game. So, all right. So let's just move on to the stages in this game. We talked about the characters. Those four are basically the ones worth talking about. There's an actual, like, if you go online, you can see the casting call where they name every single character in the game. They name every character, even background characters. It's like 10 minutes long. I'm not gonna go through all those, obviously, but uh, <laughs> let's talk about stages. In Dynamite Heady, stages are called scenes. And uh, you sort of, it's it's sort of like, you know, get, I mean, like there's a big roll call in this game. Uh, like, you know, it's like this whole stage play. So you start off as a, in the stage and you slowly start unveiling the behind the, how this whole world is created how it's fake you're in a fake world right um instead of talking about every single stage there's nine of them and each one has sub stages which they call acts uh i'm just going to talk about some of the stages that i liked and maybe show them in the background a little bit uh the first one oh i guess this thing just uh restarted itself uh the first one we're talking about is uh which stage is this? Oh, North Town. You know, this is a Japanese name, North Town, but basically the game is pretty standard. It's a very, uh, I would say, Sonic Green Hill Zone vibes to it, but I really like the backgrounds in this level. Like, there's so much stuff going on in the backgrounds with the flips of the of the windows and stuff. You can see, like, the bodybuilders instead of girls. I really like that motif. I think they did a really good job. There's gears grinding. There's little pictures. There's like squares in this game, and in those squares there's like faces of people, and those people are animated. Mm. Then there's these like, you know how they, in uh, Gunstar Heroes they got the tech to do like multi-polygon uh, characters? They use that here for just like random characters that just randomly show up, it's not even a boss fight. So this, this game has a lot going on for it, and uh, this level, this is the first level I played in this game where I'm like, whoa. 
that's incredible. Like, damn, they really, they, this is quality. This is a triple-A game. Um, the next level, I, I, I just used the town on this one. I'm assuming I didn't know why. Oh, the friend's room? No, this is not it that I picked, but. Oh, the, the level, there's this level where you have to literally just go up. I, I usually hate these levels, but I thought they did a good job on it, and it really shows you that, you know, uh, the platforming on this game, the little dots that you use. I don't even know if I picked this one, to be honest with you. This is the one I really wanted to show, though. There's a game, there's a level on here where there's a crane, right? And the crane is spinning, and it does this, like, fake 3D effect. I don't know if you played this, uh, level. It's called, yeah. uh, it's, uh, Rolling Rolling, it's called in America. It's Scene 5 Act mm -hmm. 3. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just the way they, they did the boss battles and the way it just platforms and turns around in a circle like that, it's just an incredible stage. Uh, definitely worth playing. Um, I'm trying to, uh, scene six. I have to copy it. Alright. Yeah, that's always a treasure staple, is to do these, like, 3D platforms or girders or... There's things a, moving around. There's a there's a, so many stages in the game. There's a shoot 'em up stage too that I really really like. Uh, I usually hate when de developers do these like shoot 'em up stages because I feel like, oh, they, I had nothing to do, so we did we we did it. But I like the way they, they handled it in this game because it does this really cool thing where it shows you like um, basically a, a fake 3D wall and it slowly starts like exp I don't know. I just really like the sky and the way they did the the background on this one. I just it's just really really incredible. There's a lot of these stages where they uh, they use the idea and the motif of this being a stage really really well. Uh, I definitely recommend everyone to try this game. I think the art design in this game is incredible, and I think that's the biggest and the best part of the game. Also, all these little gimmicks they used from the Sega Genesis, they do them well here. Um, the last bit, I, I, I didn't really want to talk about this, but there's a bonus game on here that I really dislike. And this is something I have to, that I have with Sega games. You know what I'm talking about? Sonic Adventure? I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog game, you know what I'm talking about? What, the special stages? Yeah, what do you think about them? Uh, some are good, some are forgettable. Honestly, I think the Blue Spheres one... I don't like. I feel like I feel like there's people who absolutely love it and like are oh make this its own game. For me, I'm like, oh this again. Uh, no, um, I have to. Uh, I mean, I have to agree. I think that's the worst part of the Sonic games. Like, if you had to uh, choose anything, you know. And uh, in this right. one, you. I'm trying to find the stage, but it's like nobody's giving it to me online. Uh, put basketball. But, well, I think I've said in the past what I don't like about special stages, at least in Sonic games, is that I, I think the best special stages are ones that utilize skills that you build up playing the game itself. Like, if I'm good at Sonic, and you throw a completely different game at me and expect that to be the way for me to earn Chaos Emeralds, it's like, forget it. Because, like, if I'm not good at this game, like, it's a game within a game that I'm supposed to also be a pro at so that I can complete the main game and get the good ending it doesn't seem fair to me <laughs> i don't know it's always been like one negative i've had with the series like it goes game to game like i i think the half pipe thing is really cool um but then the sonic one special stage i just never have been a fan 
of the rotating puzzle where you're just like flying around. But what, what's the special stage about this game or the bonus game? So it's a basketball game. You have two things that shoot basketballs up and you're supposed to hit the basketballs with your head and you're supposed to make hmm. him in the basket with the star on it. You're supposed to get like 10 stars and then it gradually increases. And then once you get, if you get everything you're supposed to get, you get a number. You get, I think, four or five numbers. And in the end of the game, they ask you to unlock a safe. And uh, these numbers are generated for each playthrough, so there's no way you can go online and uh, get them. Um, so obviously there's a basketball with a star, the one you're supposed to hit. There's one with a key on it. If you get those, you uh, basically destroy your uh, your machine that makes balls. If you, just, if you get it twice, the mini game is over. You have to try again. There's one that makes it go faster, mm. and one that I think that slows it down so it could be easier. But those are the only four things. It's very simple, but just very annoying. And sometimes there's no time limit. So you could be here sometimes stuck for like an hour. Just trying to like make these balls in these stupid baskets. Uh, I'll tell right. you what you get for doing this uh, when we talk about the bosses, which we're talking about right now. Um, Let's do it. The thing is, this thing doesn't want to like, just copy my links. Um, this game, like a bunch of... Uh, treasure games, there's a lot of bosses in this game. I think some of the most popular, or at least bosses that I th I found interesting was this one boss that basically you're on this platform, right? Let's say this platform's like a circle. It's really hard to explain, right? And this character mm -hmm. has his hands on the platform and he could spin the platform around. And he does this thing where he spins the platform around and you're on the other side of the platform, so behind him. And you're like this like 8-bit mm -hmm. make version of uh, Dynamite Heady. And it's like they play with perspective a lot in this game. A lot, it, It's like fake 3D. I don't know if you can see the video that I posted here. Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen games that do that. I mean, most recently Sonic Mania did that, where you go into the background and you're like a tiny Sonic, but you're just far away. Pretty much, yeah. Um, they probably, I mean, That's always up. cool. Dick Tracy does something similar, but it's the enemies are in the background and you're shooting them from the foreground. Uh, yeah, I love when they do that though. That's really cool. Yeah, this is a really cool. That's a really cool boss fight. Uh, it it I, it does really good job with the perspective. It's super smooth. It really shows off the graphics that you could do on the Sega uh, Genesis without the need for a uh, for you know some special chip like the Super Nintendo used. This next boss fight, I just mm -hmm. found him really creepy. It's basically this like Japanese. I'm assuming this is like a Japanese demon mask. But he's a bad guy, and he starts chasing you down this, like, weird... I don't even know what to say this, this stage is. There's, like, workers inside these squares that are animated, and they're, like, cheering you on. There's some that are sleeping, and you're and you're just hitting... The, and you're supposed to, like, get away from him, and there's two... Ver so you hit these, like, switches that make him red, which means he goes faster. But you have to hit the switches because you have to uh, get through the level. You can't let him get clear near you. So sometimes you have to flip the stage by hitting the switch, but if you flip it sometimes, he turns red and comes oh, faster at you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're supposed to play around with that. And uh, very interesting uh, stage, very cool boss. Um, here's uh, another one. This one got censored in America. Is this the one that got censored or the one that changed? I don't think they changed this one. But you fight a baby head, right? And this is just like a shoot 'em up <laughs> level. Um, you start fighting a baby head, and then as you slowly fight him, he like sheds his head, so it's like a toy with a wind up on the top. And then you fight him as a baby, and then he splits, and he's a kid. 
and then he splits open. He's an old man, and then there's one more that he splits open to, and I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I mean, you guys have to play it, but I thought it was cool and very creepy. Like I, I've always been creeped out by baby like uh, dolls and stuff, so this kind of gives me those creepy vibes, and it's also shooting magma from his mouth so that would make anyone scared right <laughs> um yeah and the the design of of um dynamite heady with the rocket head reminds me of that character from sonic rush oh yeah adventure i want to say um where it's that robot whose head looks like a missile I, like some of these heads are like a better character design than the main one like i don't want people listening to this go oh my god dynamite heady's my favorite game barry's just you know dunking on it but no i like I love the game. It's a fantastic game. It's just I think the character designs don't match the level of gameplay. But that doesn't matter. It's a fun game. At the end of the day. So, like I said, you get when you play this basketball game to get a secret ending. It's not called true ending, like on uh, Sonic. But uh, you get this <laughs> boss called Capitalistic Swine, and there's this guy in an office with a bunch of money, and he, I forgot what he tells you. I think it tells you right here. But you basically fight him. Oh. That scene was a huge success. Regret regrettably, we haven't prepared the next scenario. So it's like this whole thing is orchestrated by a guy that's making money off of it. The whole idea is that your whole your whole fight was for nothing basically because you're just making money for some dude in an office. Um, that's funny. I'm assuming this is what Treasure felt like when they made video games back in the day. So uh, yeah, that's the secret fight that you have to uh, get in the lock. But it's it, it's uh, I just thought it was a funny fight. What do you think about the guy, the president of Sega that looks like a clown <laughs> with an orange face? Yeah, he does look like a clown. He looks like uh, the Joker from the 1989 Batman, at least the suit does, where it's like purple and orange. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's I like, thought it was these a funny Dick Tracy-looking little... guys. Yeah, very very funny. It's obviously a, a big mock on American because they're obviously not Japanese people, but... Uh... Yeah, so uh, this game has a lot of cool bosses. It's fun. kind of like a staple feature when it comes to uh, treasure to have good boss fights. I think that's probably the what they're known for as their legacy. Um, let's talk about the soundtrack. This is actually something that I don't hear a lot of people talk about this game. Um, so it's actually a very excellent soundtrack. And it's uh, one of the best sounding Sega Genesis games of all time. In my opinion, I, wow. I think it's actually one of the best sounding 16-bit games, period. Um, the game had five composers, which is uh, sort of strange because most projects for uh, Treasure at this time had one composer. Um, this officially credited five artists. The biggest ones uh, that actually have paper trail was uh, Natsu 2 or Katsuhiko Suzuki who went for by Natsu the second. Uh, and there, there was another artist that went by Aki, who was Aki Hada, who, is, uh, who composed Rocket Knight Adventures, also worked on this game. And she also did Light Crusader mm. soundtrack in 1985. The last credited person that we actually know about is this guy named uh, Naru, uh, Hanzawa, or Naru, I don't even know how to say his name, man. I'm not even gonna try. Nario Hanzawa. He, he went by Nun. Um, and he worked on other treasure oh, okay. titles like Guardian Heroes and Gar uh, Gunstar Superheroes, which we did an episode on. Uh, and the other two, I couldn't find anything on, but their name was uh, Asuko and Kuj Kujo. And I couldn't find any mm. 
info on them. There was no pages for them. I don't know who they were. It's one of those mysteries, I guess. Um, I will say uh, most of the credit goes to Suzuki in this uh, uh, soundtrack. He seems to be the one that actually did most of the art. I mean, most of the work on here. He uh, he also worked as sound producer. While other video game soundtracks have gotten some sort of vinyl release, uh, this one only got a physical release back in 1994. Uh, they got uh, they had this like um, CD, and uh, this CD mm -hmm. is freaking rare. I don't know. If you, can you see the the link right here on Discord? Uh, I see it. Yeah. yeah. This in Discogs, I could only find three copies of this game for sale, and one of them was on Discog. And apparently, according to them. It's 500 bucks, dude, for the cheapest copy. I couldn't wow. find it on eBay either. So if you want some Dynamite Heady on CD, you're going to be edging out those uh, 500 uh, buckaroos. So if you go to Japan and you see this album, pick it up. It's worth it. Um, I will. <laughs> it's for everyone, not just for you, dude. But yeah. Uh, I will. The album, obviously, the, the Japanese cover is just the CGI art. They did another release with some uh, mixes this one had howard Dr drosen from comic zone and sonic spinball he did some remixes on this one it was for a spanish oh, nice. magazine called super juegos and this one was called dynamite heady cabezon mix which means in spanish it, it, it means kind of like i said big headed thick headed um right and uh this one had three tracks they were just remixed uh these are the only two soundtracks this game ever got uh, uh, released. The next thing I want to show you, though, is uh, some of the voice samples. I think this is something that this game did better. Uh, at the time, when the, the Sega Genesis was out, there was a lot of this stereotype that the voices and voice samples on Sega Genesis were trash. This game actually uses mm -hmm. a lot of voices, and they sound great. They sound clear. Uh, I don't know. I'll put some of them on. Can you hear it? Yeah. Target! <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> nice! Yeah, that's a Dino. a Heady. But yeah. So. Oh, that sounds nice. Right? That's what I'm saying. It's like they had really good uh, voices. Like the voice samples on this are a lot better. Like I, I went back and was playing uh, Streets of Rage 2 and it's like the Grandpa Pa or whatever. It's not, it sounds like Grandpa Pa, man. It's not Grand Upper. <laughs> right. But I, I uh, they did a really good job. Treasure should like, I don't know. They should get a tro They should just get some sort of trophy for the way they use the Sega Genesis hardware. Like even if you don't like the look of the game, maybe the gameplay isn't for you. It's too hard. You could appreciate that they put a lot of effort into the uh, power behind it, right? Um, let's talk about uh, the different versions of this game. Uh, did you play any of the versions right. that weren't like the ones that came, I mean, the Sega Genesis version? I I don't know if I even own Dynamite Heady hmm. for Game Gear. I might. I'll have to check. There's a there's an eight bit version. Actually. This game is uh, half the length of the the genesis version so like it's let's, let's say it takes you about an hour and a half to beat this one probably takes you about 30 to 40 minutes uh and hmm. this is this was done by minato gaikin which is a developer it was co-developed by treasure and minato gaikin which is a who which did sonic labyrinth 
obviously a great game. <laughs> great game. Uh, this version of the game uh, does a pretty good job shrinking the Mega Drive game, considering it uses so much of the power of the Genesis. Um, but instead of having nine scenes, this has six scenes, and there's a lot less sub levels in it and boss battles. Um, there was also okay, so the original Genesis game has 18 power ups for your head. This game only has six, so a huge degrade. Hmm. Um, so no contest really. If you're gonna play any of them, play the Sega Genesis version. Um, also, this has the opposite of the American version, where the American version actually has a story, and the Japanese version does not have a story. So <laughs> I guess Genesis owners got their revenge on this one. They also released a, in Brazil only a uh, Master System version based on the Game Gear version. And I did some research, and according to a lot of people on the internet, uh, yeah, they changed bosses too on the Master System version that was done by Tech Toys. It's not just a straight port from the Game Gear, which is <laughs> kind of you know something that they used to do in, in Brazil a lot. Um, ha have you ever played a Game Gear game that was based on a Sega Genesis game where you're like, I actually prefer the Game Gear game. Um, I've heard people say that about Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, and there are bits from it I do like more than the Genesis one. Um, but yeah, I, I can't say for sure there's ever a Game Gear game that I prefer to the Genesis one. Um, I mean, I, I could say I like, I think Sonic Drift 2 is more enjoyable than Sonic R. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, but that's just personal taste. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah. I do own Dynamite Eddie, Eddie for the Game Gear, and um, it's good. It's not great, but I mean, that's not the point. Uh, Game Gear games were really meant to be your on-the-go game, and that's why when I was a kid and I had the Sega Nomad, I was like, why do I need to buy Game Gear games anymore? The Genesis version of the game is my portable game, so... I have to agree. They should have just done like the Nomad. Like they should have just skip the gen, like the Game Gear, and like just release the Nomad. Because like it would have been a lot easier for these studios not to have to release like multiple versions of their games. Like one in eight bit and one in absolutely. 16 oh my god. And I mean, if you think this was a like a heavy lift, like to make a Game Gear version of a Genesis game, like I've recently been on a little kick of like looking up licensed games I haven't gotten. And I got uh, the Ghostbusters one, and I got the Indiana Jones one uh, that were on Wii. And I learned that both those games were remade. Um, in the case of Indiana Jones, they remade the game from the ground up from a different studio just for the PSP, which seems like a lot of work. And then they, the, the Wii version of Ghostbusters is a remade from the ground up from a different studio of the same game from uh, an Xbox game. So it's like... Oh boy, it's it's so much work. And nowadays, it's like when a game comes out, we're like, well, it's on Switch, PlayStation Four, Five, Xbox. Like, it's the same game everywhere. And that's, I mean, I, I, I do you miss games that are like different on different platforms? No. Like, I'm sorry. No, you don't. No, okay, because I, I mean, for me, there's there's times I miss it because like I like how the mobile version or the portable version of Sonic games would be completely different, like Sonic Colors or Sonic Lost World on the DS and 3DS, you know, like in that situation. Mm, so 
Yeah, no, I, I get that. I think they got better in the DS. Like, sometimes I would play a DS game where I'm like, oh, this looks like a Sega Saturn game. This is pretty sick. But here it was mm -hmm. always like... I don't, I don't want to be that negative, but I felt like when the 16-bit era happened, like 2D gaming really got more, uh, got a lot better and smoother and more uh, mainstream. Like, sometimes I try to go up back to play a Master System game or an NES game, and I'm like, oh my god, my ears, ah, the screeching, ah, the sound chip. Right, yeah, and I think that's why, like, back in the day, the Genesis and the SNES were really, like, to a lot of people, like, 2D gaming perfected, that nothing was really felt like it was being held back. It felt like they could really do just about anything. And then when the Saturn came out, I feel like the Saturn, at least in Japan, they were like, no, look, this is pure 2D gaming excellence. Meanwhile, here in America, we were like, we've moved beyond that. Can you start giving us 3D consoles? And so in, in that regard, I completely understand the disconnect between the Saturn and American audiences because we didn't want more we didn't want 2D games perfected. We wanted 3D games. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's it's interesting. But let's talk about advertising. You know, I thought this was going to be Ooh. a section in the in, in this video where I'm like, well, no no magazine ads. See you guys next week. Um, but actually, <laughs> there's a lot of magazine ads for this game. Um, the first one we're going to be looking at is an American ad. This is a two page spread ad by Sega of America. This one fe was featured mm -hmm. in Game Players Magazine on October 1994. Um, it, I like the way what they did with the two I mean, it's just the artwork for the cover, but the fact that they put the head on the separate page uh, is pretty smart, and he's hitting the games, so they're like, it's visually capturing you, you're looking at his head, and then it's the games, both of them, on the Game Gear and the Genesis. They use a lot of screenshots, which is cool. Um, and yeah. they have the little, like, you know, Sega of America type text where it's like, the ultimate head trip, exclamation mark. <laughs> um, so what is your opinion on this ad as a graphic designer? Um, I mean, as a graphic designer, it's a little wacky, but as a, as someone who has done like, geez, you know, like at least 70 shows where we've looked at video game magazine ads. This is one of the ones I think I like. Like it, it checks off all the boxes. The logo's there. It tells you about the game. Um, for a two-page ad, pretty much one third of it is devoted to screenshots. The rest is cover art. Um, you know, I mean, I've said I've said my piece on his character design. I don't think it's great. So to have his head taking up that much space is. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that, but it does sell the idea of him throwing his head a lot better than the cover art does, I think. Um, all in all, yeah, uh, 9.2 9 out of 10. The next one we have is a UK ad. This one was from Se uh, Mean Machines Sega Magazine from 1995, April 1995. And it's a one-page spread. It just says, pound your pad, dynamite blows your heady. Going down oh, at no. a store near you. First of all, terrible font, terrible colors. Um, yeah. No screenshots. Terrible sexual innuendo. Yeah, for sure. This is UK 100%. You know what I mean? Um, at this time, they were right. doing the pervy ad, you know? Um, it has the price, which is cool. Uh, what's the their little heading thing? Oh, Sega. Keep pounding your pad was their uh, phrase back then for Sega. That's terrible. But anyway, w no screenshots. 
and just the no. cover for the Mega Drive, but no cover for the Game Gear version. Uh, as a marketing dude, I mean, what do you think about this? No? I've never been a fan of the, like, super sexual Mega Drive ads because it just does not make sense. Like, these are not sexual games. Um, I mean, if it was, if it was like Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball, yes, of course. It's a game that's about, like, looking at sexy women. Here, it's like a puppet boy throwing his it's head. So you do not need to... To be like, oh, you're getting, they're blowing, blowing your heady, going down. Like, it's, I, I, I hate these. You, I'm just going to come out and say that. I see people share them. Oh, I'll, I have a lot of memories of the uh, Mega Drive game advertisements. Did you, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, can and, you imagine Marvel doing this now, though, for kids' movies? It's like, Thor's going to smash your ass tonight. It's like, what the hell are you guys doing, dude? Why are you guys advertising this with sex in it? Like, why? Like I, I mean, again, I'm I'm no prude, but it's just it doesn't fit, you know. Like if it was a James Bond video game, yes, make a sexual joke. They do that in the James Bond movies, but it's a it's a puppet who throws his head, and it's this just, doesn't really tell you anything about the game, really. If you think about it, like how are they selling? It you tells you absolutely nothing. I will give it a one out of ten. One out of ten. That's, that's pretty good. The next one is the Japanese ad for the game. Uh, this one, uh, this one actually came out on Beep Magazine, which is the interview we did that they did with the the creator uh, of August 1994. This ad kind of just features the CGI renders that they did for it with a Japanese writing everywhere, and down here on the in the corner they have the little <laughs> pictures of the screenshots way in the bottom. Um, they also have like this weird look for the uh, Game Gear. It's like pink, and the Mega Drive is green. Oh yeah! So they kind of color coded it. Um, what's your opinion That's on cute. this ad? I mean, it's better than the European ad for sure, but they're really yeah. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's just the cover art. Um, I think the screenshots could have been bigger. I'm kind of surprised to see "Welcome to the Next Level" in a Japanese ad. I thought that was an American thing. Oh yeah, um, that is weird. That's kind of odd. Uh, I really, actually, really love the tiny Game Gear in the corner and the tiny Mega Drive too. Um, yeah, all in all, I'd give it a four point seventy-two out of nine. Well, we never got commercials <laughs> for this game in America. I wonder what it would have been like. You know, I'm assuming there was going to be a kid getting his head blowing up. You know, or something like that, where he's like, right. "Oh my god, it's so extreme." In Japan, though. They got an ad, a claymation ad. So Sega spent some money on this. I don't know how expensive claymation is or anything, but uh, I'm going to play the ad. Uh, it's 30 seconds. Welcome to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> so look at music. <laughs> and then the transforming of the heads. That's pretty cool. And then they show you the game with all the graphical power that they have, right? As you can see, the supporting trio is even in the trailer in this little commercial. The, 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 <laughs> they are. Yeah. So they're supposed to be main characters, um, like I said. But what do you think about this? I thought it was a cute ad. 
I want to see an HD version of this because I know Sega has it somewhere, but I really, really like that they did a little claymation of it. I, I'm a big fan of claymation, so I thought this was sick and a little cute. What about you? Yeah, I really, I really like it. It's a shame we never got ads over here because with the Welcome to the Next Level, they could have easily dubbed this yeah. into English oh. and made it an American ad. Which, I mean, it's going to get to the next bit of our talk, which is basically the legacy for this game. Um, for a mm. while, Sega was actually advertisement uh, that Dynamite Heady was coming to the 32X. The idea was that it was supposed to be ported over as a support for the system. Uh, I kind of looked online a little bit, and the only thing I really found with any footage or like promoting was a Spanish VH VHS tape. Um, I didn't play it on here because it has like a streamer talking over it, and he's like, oh, dude, died in my head. I don't know what the fuck that is, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, basically, it looked like it was just footage from the Genesis game, and I'm assuming if they did a port of this, it would have probably been the Sega Genesis game with maybe a couple of uh, levels added onto it. I'm not sure. Um, right. Uh, as far as why it was canceled, I've, I've heard it both ways. I've heard it that uh, the game didn't sell enough to warrant a 32X port or that the 32X didn't sell enough to warrant uh, uh, more games for it. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, personally, because obviously the 32X did not sell and obviously this game obviously did not sell. Um what what do you think about these 32x games that got canceled early on and do you think it was a, like a right move to not port this game over like to me it's like i think it would have devalued the 32x it was supposed to be an upgrade to the genesis and now you're releasing ports for genesis games on the 32x that look exactly the same right yeah from my experience the games that did do this didn't really fare that well like uh, Pitfall, I believe, had a 32x port, but you can—it's very hard to tell like what is enhanced about it. Um, whereas with the uh, FMV games, obviously the the video quality is better; it fills more of the screen, so that makes sense. Um, I also feel like 32x kind of has its equivalent of Dynamite Heady, which was Tempo, mm. which takes more advantage of like the color palette and the sound. It's a beautiful looking game and sounding game. Gameplay wise, all the, not all that great, but um, if you remember our Star Wars Sega Talk episode, it was Star Wars Arcade that really helped sell the system alongside Virtua Fighter. So it's clear that 3D games were the focus of the 32X. So I, I don't think this game would have helped the 32X, and I don't think a 32X port probably would have helped. The Genesis release. Yeah, it, it really felt that, that uh, Sega thought this game was going to be like a breakout game. When I was watching uh, the when I was watching the Spanish VHS tape for the thirty the upcoming thirty two X games, and this game was part of it. The way that they sold it on mm -hmm. there, like Sega Sega of Spain or whatever it was, because they talked hablamos español la with a with a thief. Um, he was basically always making mm. jokes to uh, Albert Einstein, saying the greatest minds of this century are Albert Einstein and Dynamite Heady, and that like he like I don't know like trying to make him like a smartass basically was their whole idea that you know working the whole cabezón thing that means thick-headed to uh, Dynamite Heady. They really played that up because 
when you see Spanish Mexican ads or whatever, same thing. They play up the whole cabezón. We had the cabezón mix. They really seem to like it. Um, he, okay, so we did. I, I did mention that uh, he was uh, influenced by Looney Tunes. My thing is like this character looks nothing like any Looney Tunes character I've ever seen. Have you? Mm, I was trying to think if there was like a Looney no. Tunes character. Look. <laughs> Nothing comes to mind. I mean, it just, it looks like, I don't know, like a cutesy Japanese character. I don't really get much Looney Tunes from it at all, which is kind of ironic because this is the developer that did, like, all the Tiny Toon Adventures games, and they couldn't really replicate that. Oh, well. Yeah, uh, especially, I mean, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, even <laughs> though the game failed commercially, the game was a, a massive uh, critical acclaim, which is not surprising anything treasure touches seems to get kind of at this moment in this time period critical acclaim um they they used to say that it was uh bringing new life to platformers and that it's kind of finishing off the job that uh sonic the hedgehog started uh saying that the visuals were an overload for the eye which i actually really agree with i think the visuals are the strongest point of this game in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, Treasure President came out and uh, to say that the company was actually happy with the performances of their WiiWare titles, including Gunstar Heroes and Sin and Punishment. Uh, but he was actually very, very sad that nobody was buying Dynamite Heady on the Wii U store. <laughs> um, I don't think things have changed that much since 19, 2008. I think the popularity of Dynamite Heady is probably like Light Crusader in terms. I think... This game is more popular than like Light Crusader or like other games that Treasure have done, but it's not up there with like Ikagura, Radiant Silver Gun, Gunstar Heroes. Right. So it's in this weird middling part, even though I think the game is great. Um, so to end this talk, let's talk about how you could play this game. So let's say you can't afford the Sega Genesis cartridge, which is not that much actually. I think it's a uh, complete for sixty bucks. Um, so you could play it on the Sega Ages 2500 series, the Gunstar Hero Treasure Box. You could play it on Wii mm -hmm. via the Virtual Console that was released in 2007. You could use the Sonic Ultimate Genesis Collection for 360 and PS3 that came out in uh, 2009. In 2012, it was released on mm -hmm. Steam. Sega Genesis Classics on the Switch, Windows, Linux, everything under the sun in 2018 includes this game. Which, if you're cheap, just get the Sega Genesis Classics versions and just play all 50 games on there. Um, I'm just saying, like, that's probably the best bang for your buck to play this game. 30 bucks and you get 50 games. Not bad. It's on the Genesis Mini. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I Alongside Gunstar Heroes. Um, and yeah. Sega Forever added it in 2012, uh, 2018 for free for the mobile uh, devices. Mm. Outside of that, though, I would say to Do play the actual ROM that was translated by fans from the Japanese version, because regardless of what American version you play, officially, Sega has never went back and made the game easier, never went back and actually added the cutscenes to it. So you'll never be getting the full story of the game. So in my opinion, go online and check out the fan-translated ROM. Uh, try that game. I think it's the best way to play the game. I played them both ways, and uh, that was my favorite way of playing it. And I think a lot of people that are hardcore fans agree that's the way to play it. Um, that's it 
for Dynamite Heady. Uh, do you want to say anything uh, before we close up? Um, I mean, fun game, memorable game. Uh, it's a shame it never really took off as a franchise, like maybe Gunstar Heroes kind of did with the second follow-up. I would have loved to have seen um, Dynamite Heady actually appear on the Game Boy Advance with a sequel. I think it's well-deserving of that. Um, but I am happy that it's, you know, appearing in so many... Re-releases? Compilations yeah. and things. Like, I, I just booted up... Uh, the Sega Forever release actually has the Japanese version on it, which is great. Yeah. Um, so you can boot up into that. And it looks good. It plays pretty well. I mean, you know, we're, we're fans of Sega Forever. They're fans of us, so... Um, yeah, if, if you're looking for a, a quick and easy way to get it right now, like as you're listening to this, it's probably on your phone. Otherwise, I'd say do the Genesis Mini or like you mentioned, the Genesis Classics Collection. You're going to get a lot of bang for your buck. Um, and yeah. So should I read yeah, the I, memories? I actually would also re- recommend people picking the game up physically on Genesis if you ever want it because... I feel like this is one of those games that's going to be even rarer, maybe like 200 plus uh, level after a few more years. Like, I just think all treasure games are going to end up being one of those games that are like super highly valued in the future. But uh, that's a great yeah. point. So, uh, you want to read the Patreon comment, and I'll read some of the Twitter comments we got. Absolutely. So, if you support us on Patreon at any level, you can have your memories read at the end of the show, and we always throw out like a week before. A post saying, share your memories of Treasures Dynamite Heady. So we have a longtime listener and memory maker, Lever, Daniel Andres, and he says, Oh my goodness, this crazy and unique game. I haven't played much of it, like at all, but it most definitely has a major memorable first impression. The first time that I even knew that this game had existed was when I discovered myself on the Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection for the 360, I was like, what the hell is this game? While I was playing it, but also just loving everything I was doing and seeing at the same time, I kind of want to get an actual Genesis card of the game someday, and I still mean to play more of it. However, as crazy and wacky as it is, I remember it being kind of difficult. I've only played the first stage, but man, what a stage to remember. And you want to read some of them Twitter yeah. memories? We rarely do Twitter, but we're doing it on this yeah. show. Yeah, um, I would also say that like the game just gets crazier as the game goes on, and they use a lot more graphical mm. power later on. Where it's like they don't just like give you the best in the beginning, which so it's definitely worth playing through. You save states. I, I I hate continue systems in retro games. I think it's definitely worth using save states just to. Play the game faster and enjoy it. I think there's some people that just give up on these games and don't want to use save state because they feel like it's cheating. But uh, right. Uh, the damn uh, Mukai says all of it. Um, uh, when I said there, what your memories with the game? All of it. But dear God, the song "Hustle Mariyama" that doesn't simply cook, as they say, but fucking flambe's table side. Also, getting all the <laughs> bonus points even with the help of save states hell of an accomplishment hats off to anyone who's done that without existence yes hats off to me i hate dude i'm telling you man you can spend an hour trying to do those basketball stages and it's like i didn't like it i was like uh, it kind of destroys the pacing of the game when you're sitting there for an hour trying to make mm-hmm. basketballs um it's absolute oh we got tybes with a bunch of s's 
It's absolutely criminal how the secret bonus point concept still seems to be totally unique to this game. Uh, I have never seen it copied in another game since. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, we got Firewoods Dev who says, Never getting past the Stair Wars, the green room being creepy as fuck, and the brilliant soundtrack. Terminator 2 being my personal favorites. Uh, Vatican Keist says, It had super effects, uh, FX, even though it, he said FX twice, FX and then FX after it, uh, without needing mm -hmm. a chip. Crystal clear samples and was just damn tech art piece on the Mega Drive. Dynamite Heady 1 says, It's perfect. <laughs> and uh, St Star Wave Impulse says, such an underrated classic. Ha uh, sad face. Wow. And that's all for this episode of Dynamite Heady. Uh, what do you got for us <laughs> next time on Sega Talk? Or is that a secret? I mean, well, we, we have a patron who is going, wants us to cover something, but they have not messaged yet mm, with their you. specific request. So if... If I think if we don't hear from them by maybe the end of the week, I'll I'll pull something out of my hat. I've got a few things in my back pocket actually, um, so it, it'll be a surprise. Nice, it'll be a surprise. Catch you guys next time on Sega Talk. If you want to support us, or you guys have a request of a game you guys want to see us cover, or even a console or person, you there's a tier in uh, Patreon where you can support us for that for the end. You know what? You keep us fed and fat, so it's the least we could do. I don't even know what I was going with that. See you guys next time on Sega Talk. Bye. We we gotta we gotta. He we have to. Yeah. <laughs> we have to head yes. out. Get it. <laughs>